Like anyone who follows Jesus really isn't a denier of it, but we are betrayers, right? We are betrayers if, of this way. We do not love each other as we should. We do not live in service and mutual love of one another. We like, don't wash we, each other's feet. We don't wash each other. And we, we are idolatrous as all get out, right? especially as Americans, let's just name all of that, right? Like we betray Jesus all the time. We are Judas. So Welcome to episode 229 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverend Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be served in one of these beautiful pub theology like pint glasses if you're watching us on facebook uh, you'll see me holding one up and you can get one of these while supplies last by becoming a patron uh help support the show we've got different plans at different prices head over to patreon.com slash pt live and you'll also get some bonus content uh some pre and post show uh banter and other discussions going on so patreon.com slash pt live and as always thank you to our current patrons this week we'll be discussing all things holy week all things um so we're gonna need a drink to do that brian we'll start with you what are you drinking today we are gonna need a drink i am having a shorts brewing locals light beer in its simplest form so just a just a an american lager nothing fancy if it's beer in its simplest form, isn't it just hops? Like little <laughs> dried hops? Well, you know, it's gone through the process. Barely. Speaking Logan, of, what are you drinking? Speaking of speaking of light beers, I'm in a house with a non-beer drinker. So hey. this is what I can find. Corona light. During wow. my last day, drank a light beer. But if I'm going to go light, uh, you know. Yes, and we uh, both have light in the title today of our beers. Yes, so, yes, we are. There we wow, go. I wish that I was representing a good beer, but um, I we have not been to the liquor store, or at least I haven't been, which means that we have lots of bourbon, but not so much on the beer side. Um, so I dug way back, and I got these last summer, and I thought they would be good, and they're okay, but um, I don't highly recommend them, but they're drinkable. And this is called Orange Smash. It's one of those cocktails in a in a um, can and it's uh, vodka and orange juice and citrus and blah, blah, blah. But I thought I'd get rid of them today, you know. And who is that by? That is by Devil's Backbone Distilling, which is a local a local brand. Oh, no, yeah. not a local brand. It's in Virginia, uh, isn't it? Yeah, which is kind of, you know. Yeah, it's local-ish. Semi-local. Yeah. Well, you're outside. It's a pretty day. Orange, outside, orange crust sounds day. like the right thing to go. Like, honestly, we have Christmas beers left and we have like one uh, like pool beer or something that's like this sea salt and lime beer that for like it was supposed to be this like all day drinkable day, you know, summer beer. And we drank five of them and the sixth has been sitting there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so if that tells you anything. Um, but anyway. It was a nice day, so this is this is a little citrusy and nice. So yeah, love it. On to today's topics. Love it. Well, it is Holy Week, and that means the stores have been stocked with Easter candy for at least a month. Uh, so, um, do you have it right? Because as soon as Valentine's is over, it's like onto the Easter candy. I was gonna day. say two or three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like... Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There you go. I've not bought any yet, um, but do you have a favorite and or least favorite Easter candy that you look forward to? Well, my my favorite candy, I think, covers all seasons, and that's Skittles. 
So I think, I <laughs> that, think does that count as Easter candy? Well, I mean, I think it does. You, you've got you've got the variety of colors. One, I mean, you can think of it as like maybe you know little little pellets left by the Easter Bunny. Ooh, yeah, know? that's true. So you got you got you got that you got that visual. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's you, the it's the national candy of uh, it's the official St. Patrick's Day candy, right? The rainbow. The, Taste the rainbow. It's taste the rainbow, oh, right? Taste so, rainbow. so it is the it is the ultimate, I think, multi-season, all-purpose candy. Um, okay, so, so if there was a non-year-round candy that was specific to Easter, what's one that you? I don't know, because all the rest is that, like Peeps and all that nonsense. That's just nasty. I, I don't I like Peeps have, either. Yeah, I don't like. I, peeps I can't. Either. What I about can't jelly beans? Those. Yeah. Mm. What? I mean, how are they honestly? How are they any different than Skittles? Multicolor, you know, artificial oh. fruit flavors. They are different, though. They're gross. They're <laughs> Wait, although stop. the people in my house love the Skittle, not Skittles. Uh, yeah, no, the Starburst jelly beans. Like they uh. go crazy for Starburst jelly beans. I so I if I had to pick an Easter candy, I think. Sorry, by the way, my gains all the. Am I, am I okay? Am I shouting? Yeah, I like yes, shouting. you sound okay. Nope. All right, great. Um, if I had to choose an Easter candy, there are Cadbury eggs, but with caramel in them. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's cheating, but I don't like the regular Cadbury eggs, but I do like the Cadbury eggs with caramel. So I it's basically like a Rolo, but yeah, they, yeah, yeah. it only comes out at Easter. So that's like my a, official Easter candy. <laughs> like a mega Rolo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite would be classic jelly beans. Not the not any of the newer flavors, like just the original, like Brock's or whatever brand makes the traditional. And then the best flavor is black. I could go for no. all all black jelly beans. No, that's that's gross. And then yeah. a second a second follow up. But hang on, hang on, hang yeah. on. You, yeah, yeah. You, so 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 how is how is how are jelly beans Easter specific? Are they not just as all purpose as Skittles? No, 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 no Hogan, because they, haven't you seen the big thing on the jelly beans related to all the ways Jesus died? This is a real thing, by the way. <laughs> no, I did not make this up. Not. Are you serious? It's legit, a real thing. Yes. No. You yes, gotta send me a link. The Go send me a link. represents the blood, mm. and the black represents Good Friday. And this, no, uh, this is real. Wow, this is very real. I'll wow. find it for you. No, but but jelly beans come out extra around Easter, and they're what you put in the like grass of the Easter basket. You know, you have like the chocolate rabbit, and then you've got in the grass of the basket, you got a bunch of jelly beans, right? So, so here's, here's, here's where the cultural thing comes in, like growing up in Barbados, Easter, Easter was, we, we didn't have an emphasis on baskets and sweets and chocolate in capitalism. Exactly. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so that was not part of my childhood. And, 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 you know, we, I f- think we try to do our best with our kid, but no. The other side it, of this I is, though, know. that like jelly beans used to come out only at Easter and now they're out year round. Right. Because people I like them and they can sell them. I think. That's oh, right. OK. All right. You that. all ready for the jelly bean prayer? You ready? Yeah. Get, bring it. Bring it. On to your hats. Red is for the blood he gave. Green is for the grass he made. Yellow is for the sun so bright. Orange is for the edge of night. Black is for the sins we made. Oh. No one of Brian likes him. White, <laughs> tasty. White is for the grace he gave. Purple is for his hour of sorrow, and pink is for our new tomorrow. Oh, Jesus! No pun intended. I know, right? Jesus! Wow! Jesus is rolling over. Ooh, like, that is that is what happens when Christians try to make secular traditions about Christianity. Yeah, they're trying to justify all the candy they're yeah. feeding their kids on Easter morning. Oh my exactly. God. No, I that was part of a church hard. that would like hand out a bag of jelly beans with that prayer on it on Easter. Oh my word, I, I can't. <laughs> so also, we, not not saying not saying not saying the black being sinful is a little racist, but I'm not not saying it either. You're not <laughs> yeah. not saying it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put that out there. <laughs> Especially, so even you know the white is for grace. You know. Yeah. That uh, uh, yeah. So we have done Easter egg hunts with our kids, I, I think even last year, but I'm wondering if now they're all going to like look down their nose at me and be like, dad, that, not, not if you put money in it. We're not there little kids. 
Exactly. But they love candy. What is so the Easter egg hunt for adults where they hide beers and stuff? Yes. Like that's that that's I'm a good about. one. That's a good one. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta up the price. Now, how how old is your youngest? Thirteen. Yeah, yeah. This might be the year. And she is yeah. full on teenager. So like they've got to find the five dollar bill. That's that's yeah. how you get them. Like yeah, you're exactly search around, right. and like you got to find the however what. Maybe there's a ten out there. <laughs> Maybe there's a ten. Exactly. Go kids, go. Go. Oh, you want gas man. money this week? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> All right. According to the Gospel of John, at the Last Supper, after Judas has left the table, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. So I'm wondering, in what ways was this new? I've always kind of wondered. It seems like a kind of a strange phrasing. Also, like, was, was if, the, he'd said it before, if he'd said it before Judas left, might we've had a different outcome? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know? He knew he wouldn't be on for that. So <laughs> so here's where I've always like Jesus's ministry is all about unraveling the laws, right? Which are a strict set of rules, if you will. And saying it's not that these aren't important, it's that relationship and people are more important than these structures, these institutions, these rules, right? So healing on the Sabbath, like he got in trouble for healing on the Sabbath, but he's like, but this man needed help and I could help him. Why would I not help him just because it's the Sabbath, right? So this constant theme, like, this ever-flowing theme of like putting people over the structures, the institutional structures. And so to be able to like have this, uh, my new commandment. So, right, like you're a people that are used to laws and rules. Here's the law and the rule that you need to know. And this echoes what was said in the other gospels where they're trying to trick him and they ask him what the greatest commandment is. Right. And that's where we get love your God. And the second is like it, you know, um, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is a continuation or a mirroring of that in the gospel of John, which is to say like, love one another and do it in the way that I have shown you to love, which is to serve one another, to be in mutual respect and relationship over and above the rules. But because you need a rule, here's the rule. I'm giving it to you. Right. So that's that's the way I would explain that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I it just always struck me as kind of strange as if the old command was was don't love each other or be nasty or 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 don't you know be indifferent or I, I don't know. It just always I don't strange. think it's new, right? But it's a it's a succinct way of saying like everything that you've seen me do and everything that I've done is here to say, like, above all, put each other first. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's another way of just framing, you know, the first, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Like it's kind of really almost a different way of saying the same thing. Like, is that in John? I know it's in other gospels, but I don't know that that actual, the greatest commandment part is in John. So this may be John's way of working it in. Or maybe, you know, yeah, he, 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 right. he, he told him a few times already and it wasn't sinking in. So he's like, OK, new commandment. You clearly didn't hear me the first time. I'm saying it again. This is the new deal we're doing. Do you guys have you guys watched the uh, uh, the show Barry on HBO? So Barry's Barry's a, is a is a serial, not a uh, not an assassin. What do you call assassins for hire? I guess he's an assassin. Yeah, he's an assassin. And he's trying to aren't all assassins for hire? Like I guess so. a mercenary, just, something like that. Uh, aren't you and, just a killer otherwise? <laughs> and he's trying to stop. He's trying to get into a new field. He's hired to kill somebody in a theater, and he falls in love with acting and decides he wants to become an actor. So he's going to stop killing people. But because of how the events unfold, there's always something that comes up. And he's going to kill somebody, and after he kills him, he goes, "All right." Starting the new, starting everything new from now and go kill somebody else. And it's like, okay, starting now. Right. Right, yeah, so yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think this is what Jesus yeah. is going through, having tired 
getting tired of telling people love each other, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. You didn't get it before. All right. We're starting, starting now. This is the yep. last chance I have to tell you, this is the new thing. Okay. Get on board already. Yeah. yeah. Again, should have said it before Judas left the room. <laughs> so, so Mark, uh, uh, so Mark and Luke have that story, right? Where the Pharisee comes and tries to trick him and says, what's the greatest commandment. Yeah. So that's in Matthew 22 and then it's in Luke 10. But John doesn't have that story. Mm. So I think John took the greatest commandment question and roped it into the story of, of the, you know, Last Supper. Yeah. And it also comes, that makes sense, Shannon. And it also comes in the context of the washing of the feet. So this idea of service and so on. So in that same chapter in John 13, Jesus says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I've set you an example that you also should do as I've done to you. And so the question is, um, how come foot washing hasn't risen to the level of other things uh, that we do as rituals in the church, even though Jesus is so explicit about it here in John 13? Have you seen some people's feet? Because it's super awkward. Because <laughs> feet are gross. <laughs> Gross. Now, in, in Jesus' time, everybody's feet were nasty, yeah, yeah. right? Because everybody's got, you know, open well, sandals, the dirt. they their feet regularly when they you walked know, in a house right. or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But but I think I think our, our hygiene standards have elevated a little bit since then, or or in some cases not. Well, they <laughs> have, but, but we have sneaker got... we have sneaker odor. They didn't have to deal with that. No, but like shoes got really complicated, Definitely. right? They had sandals and... Now you did have to like unstrap all the sandals or whatever, but like, I don't know. I, I, I actually think that's a good question. Um, and I had a friend who, um, it was actually at her brother's wedding who, instead of like taking the garter off, blah, blah, blah. And like throwing it out, like they did a foot washing, like as part of their, like, reception of this mutual respect and love like during their wedding and I was like that is one of the most beautiful ideas like I've ever heard of like their kind of first act as a married couple instead of all these American traditions of like the DJ announcing you in or you know you throwing bouquets and stuff that they're like our first act as a married couple for one another will be of service and I just I don't know there's something really beautiful about that um yeah we although do, it gets awkward when the pastor then yells hey get a room well you might do that brian but you know <laughs> so i think i think there's a certain level of of humility which is the whole point of that exercise yeah. and i don't know that we're that humble <laughs> so i think i think that's i think that's part of it but also if we if we look at all most other traditions in christianity I think a lot, um, most of them rope in the Jesus as savior element, right? There's something that, that ties us to, to uh, more di directly to, to God as, as savior, but, but, but washing another person's feet, it sort of, it sort of takes out that, that, that sort of, um, what am I trying to say here? It, it becomes just a person-to-person -person experience more than a person-to-God experience, right? This is me humbling myself to you. This is me being in service to you. I can do that regardless of if God's involved or not, right? But things like communion, baptism, and so on, there's a direct God correlation here. Am I making well, sense? it does make sense, but I'm just thinking like, maybe you know we if we had more liturgy around it or if we had like if anyway if there was there there would be a way to do that and it's interesting so in in my tradition in the Presbyterian church we only have two sacraments right and the two sacraments are baptism and the lord's supper and we always say because those are the two things jesus participated in but it actually gets me thinking like then why isn't foot washing one of them yeah this is right? pretty explicit Right. Like this is, this is a major moment in, you know, now it's not, we read it during Holy week, but John 13, I obviously is like way before 
like John 20 is the resurrection, right? So like the discourse, the farewell discourse in John is very, it's seven chapters Massive. long. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's half the book. Um, but nonetheless, like it's not something we do. It's, it's optional, right? It's not a ritual. It's not a sacrament. Um, right. But I also, I think that we're a people that need to or want to reciprocate like right so there's this like if you wash my feet then i have to wash your feet and like i don't know that that's the point here right peter was like yeah. no, no 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 let's not and the whole point was that jesus did it and like i'm not asking anything of you right but to be able to receive this gift and again as we walk into holy week there's something beautiful about that message but as Americans, like, no, 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 we'd rather give, we'd rather wash your feet than have our feet be washed, right? Because if there's no reciprocation, then it sets up this like power dynamic. Who gets to wash whose feet? When, right? And, and if, it, if it's a random lottery system and it always turns out that I'm doing the foot wash and no one's washing my feet, then I'm going to be, I'm going, I'm going to have some thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that power dynamic is exactly why we are so moved even though I'm not Catholic, of why I see um, a picture of the Pope washing someone's feet during Holy Week and like kissing their feet. Like there's something so beautiful about that because mm. it's this like this pristine picture of power, like mm -hmm. humbled to the lowest level. Mm. And that is beautiful. It yep. genuinely is. Yep. But it's something we don't want to do. Again, yeah. have you seen some I mean, people's feet? <laughs> that's 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 where I'm going with this. Yeah, I mean, I think you both hit on some things that are exactly right. Like it is beautiful, and it is, um, you know, we have it right here. But also, as Ogan said, it's that like you really do have to humble yourself, or you know, and it's just hard for us to do that. It just feels awkward. Like, I think that's the word that strikes yeah. me is like, it yeah. feels all kinds of awkward. Yeah. Uh, I've, now, I've been in communities before where we sort of split the difference and we did hand washing. Yes. Um, but, but you're right. The, the, the foot washing thing is a whole other, is a whole other level. And I think, next the, level. I think the awkwardness, I think the awkwardness is exactly why we probably should be doing it more. Mm. Right. Cause it's mm -hmm. sort of, it's sort of, it's sort of awkward for everyone involved, not just the, the person doing the washing, the person whose feet are getting washed, anybody else is watching the thing. But then you have to answer yourself, like, can we follow that awkwardness to its source? Why is this awkward? Yeah. What what meaning are we assigning to this that we just can't get on board with? Right. We always want to emulate Jesus. But this is the thing that we that we draw the line on. Like right. what 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 is that saying about? us yeah and it's very intimate like it's very well, personal to, to have someone's and i think that's a, that's another piece of it too because uh i don't i don't know that we all want to have that level of intimacy with people that we really are not that intimate with yeah. so and and to me that's part of the point that jesus is making right exactly part of the point is like couple that with, I give you a new commandment that you love one another and serve one another as I've served you. Like that's an intimate thing, yep. but I also just need to add another layer because I have done foot washings in the past as a pastor, like on the way. So we don't do it as an official part of Monday, Thursday, Thursday service, but in the past I would have a station set up and after worship, I would go and like stay at the station and anybody who would like to participate in that ritual. And like, I need to name for female pastors everywhere that like that is a physical position that you're putting yourself in that is very awkward yep. and um, it isn't just humbling like there are other ram like sure anyway I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail and like n nobody has ever been inappropriate but like there is a level of like maybe I shouldn't do, I mean, it, you know, and I haven't done it since. Like I was like, yeah. mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like this is, yeah. this yeah. is weird on a different level. Um, and if yeah. you don't know what I'm talking about, great. Go into the world. And <laughs> go and go um, live, laugh and love. Exactly. But you know, anyway, that's, I think this falls the under the category of because we can, doesn't mean we should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So we've already mentioned Judas, who, of course, you know, dips the bread in with Jesus and is sort of pointed out as about to betray and uh, about to betray Jesus. And so this figure of Judas Iscariot in many ways is synonymous with treachery and betrayal. However, his actions are a pivotal point in the gospel narrative, which really, you know, move things toward Jesus being arrested crucified, and then ultimately uh, the resurrection. And so you could argue that the classic Christian narrative of salvation required Judas's actions. In other words, God needed Judas to betray Jesus for everything to unfold as it did. So in that light, should the negative view of Judas be reconsidered? So I think this whole thing is just really creative hindsight storytelling, Mm. right? So it's, it's, I, I, you know, this, this is a school of thought that um, Jesus's death was not expected. And even the story of resurrection was created to make sense of everything that had transpired. The finding of, of prophecy from Isaiah that really weren't about Jesus were then, you know, projected onto Jesus to, to make sense of this whole thing, because, by by all accounts, um, folks were expecting, um, I, don't, I don't know, if an insurrection, a, a liberation right. in real time. And all of a sudden, he's hanging on a cross, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that that kind of put a kibosh on things. So so now, what does his death mean? So so now it's not a, a literal liberation from Roman oppression. Now we're talking about a spiritual liberation. Um, and and so uh, I think a lot of this is after the fact uh, hindsight. Let's 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 find a way to make all the points of this story lead to this conclusion that we want it to to lead to. Um, so so uh, you know, and this 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 sort of bleeds into the next question: Why did Jesus die? Like Jesus died because he pissed off the Roman authorities hmm. to and and and. And the the local religious authorities to a point of no return, uh, I, I I think. And yeah, so you're answering that in this sort of like historical causal sense, like why did he die? Like what led to that happening? Right, and and we attach all sorts of of meanings to that um, right. as as a result. Um, but but I don't. When you say should the negative view of Judas be reconsidered, like. No, but that doesn't mean it's, I guess, are you asking, should we no longer see it as negative? And um, I mean, because I was going to say, absolutely, we should not necessarily for the reason that this is, this is, I mean, this is leading up to like, we need Jesus to, we need Judas to betray Jesus so he can die for our sins, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's. From that framework, it's asked, but you're rejecting that framework. But I'm rejecting that framework, yeah. but saying we should still absolutely um, change our view because Judas is scapegoated from mm-hmm. every person that was part of this process, right? Like whether or not the story takes, we have the story as it is. So like whether or not it takes place that way, I don't know, like whether or not John's additions, right? Like I saw this meme that was like the the resistance of ADHD to like put everything in parentheses, like, you know, to explain yourself, like gospel of John all over the place. Clearly <laughs> yeah. that community had ADHD, yes. right? Like you love and that. he did this because blah, 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 blah. Well, you don't know why he did it, be yeah. quiet, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? But anyway, so it it's one of those interesting things that like, you know, when I found out as a as a child, so one, I used to have this thought as a child is like, wait a second, if Jesus's death is so great and the crucifixion needed to happen in order for Jesus, if all this needed to happen, then why is Judas this villain? Isn't Judas the hero of the story? Like right. that's ridiculous, right? So as a child, I had this thought. So it's like not that far-fetched. But then there was also this level of like, okay, Judas is the treasurer and there's the moment where Mary is anointing his feet and wipes it with her hair and he's going, why is all this money being spent wasted on perfume when we would need to feed the poor? And then John's like, 
he didn't really care about the poor. He really was stealing from the coffers. And I'm like, you know, I don't like, okay, what John clearly wants to throw him under the bus. Exactly. And like, but I also in my time in as an adult and as in many churches, like the church treasurers are usually the most conservative people, like wanting things to be ordered in a certain way. And they're often very anxious people. And I have like, I have great treasures, right? But they are, that's just by nature. And honestly, I think that's what you want in a treasure is you want somebody a little, you know, like- You need someone to pull you back from the ledge a little bit sometimes. Exactly. (laughs) You don't want to spend thrift. If if that's who Judas is, then, you know, and and I don't know, like- So my only negative thing about Judas is like, he still betrayed his boy Jesus, right? Like, I mean, no, whether and my question in that is like, did he really think it was going to get as far as it would? Like, yes. the number of things that needed to take place in order for Jesus to be crucified were many, many, many things. Right, right. And there's a way to read it that Judas was was on Jesus was on Jesus' side and against Rome, and he was he was one of those wanting Jesus to take the more um, the more violent angle. He, and yeah, so he, he's trying to like get things. He want a light of he want a light of fire under Jesus's ass. Right, he's trying to get like, it in like, motion. Come yeah. on, dude. And let's also name that like one of the issues that we have with Judas is that there's one story I think it's in Matthew of Judas hanging himself and right. committing suicide, and we use that to again that's a scapegoating tactic, right? Where we yes. villainize him for that. When really we should be looking at this moment as like a genuine mental health crisis, the way that we would with anybody who. Yeah, there was know, genuine remorse right? Exactly. For, for 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 his for his actions, which and if there also, weren't, then he's lacking some humanity. But no, he feels that. And let's also be clear, uh, you know, where Jesus was heading, he he would have ended up on that cross anyways. <laughs> Like, dude was not, dude was not throwing caution to the wind in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. We just had Palm Sunday where he kind of sticks it in Rome's face. Exactly. He was, he was very clear about what he was doing and, and, and he was poking the bear uh, or the lion, whatever, whatever, whatever animal Rome was symbolized by the eagle. He was, he was plucking feathers from the eagle um, and he was very clear. So, so whether Judas betrayed him or not, he was going to end up on that cross. Um, I mean, so, there's an argument to be made that this was going to happen either way. So Judas was like, why not make 30 pieces of silver and help some poor people in the process? Yeah, I'll you just know. be a middleman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think how we hold Judas is is absolutely a reflection of of ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. are we are we are we prone to forgive? Are we are we black and white fingers or are we live in that nuanced world of gray? Are we, do we, have we grown up and matured and understand that there's no simplistic view of anything ever? <laughs> right. Uh, and, and also like realizing that a lot of this is after the fact reporting, some probably fictionalized, like, like there, there's so much more to this story than we will never know how are what are the what are the ends to which we want to use the story so so well and and i want to name um you know we often talk about i think one of the reasons why we reject judas for all the reasons we named but i'm going to name one more and that is because we like to think of ourselves more like peter the one who denied like we like to think of ourselves as deniers and we're really not deniers Like anyone who follows Jesus really isn't a denier of it, but we are betrayers, right? We are betrayers of this way. We do not love each other as we should. We do not live in service and mutual love of one another. We don't wash each other's feet. We don't want Jesus. And we we are idolatrous as all get out, right? especially as Americans, let's just name all of that. Right. And, and so we betray, and I think I said this last week, right? Like we betray Jesus all the time. We are Judas. So we want to just, you are the man. (laughs) We want to scoot Judas out of the way because it's a lot easier to be Peter and to be like, Oh, sorry, Jesus, I denied you. And Jesus is like, just love my people, which I feel like, (laughs) that conversation could have taken place with Judas too. Like we need to yeah. 
be free that Jesus would have done that with Judas as well. So anyway, but that's why we want to ignore Judas. Like, nope, he was bad, gone. Bye-bye, Judas. And then we get to continue to deny all the ways that we betray Jesus. Yeah. End sermon. <laughs> Thus endeth the lesson. The end. Oh. I do love Holy Week. I do. Uh, Yesterday good. we turned over tables and it's good. A lot of yeah. good stuff. A lot of good stuff. So what are they dipping the bread in Jesus and Judas? Is that in olive oil or do they got some kind of special sauce? Uh... Special sauce. It's the McDonald's <laughs> sauce. I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? The bread dipping the bread in. Because Jesus says the one who I'm dipping the bread with is the one who betrays me. So it's like him and Judas awkwardly are dipping their bread at the same time. Into the wine. No, that's a, that's a, that's a Christian reading. They were <laughs> dipping bread into wine. I don't know. And, and, and what I kind of thought, reading is special sauce? I mean, I thought the no, wine, I mean, it's so like some, isn't it? It's unleavened bread. So it's, it's like, like hummus crackers. or it's like, or it's like olive no, it's oil. It's like or, a cracker or something. And like, it's dry. So you dip it in. So you got to dip so, it into some, so, some sort of whatever so you're hummus, drinking some, to make it soft. No. Or, 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 you yeah, know, sorry. whatever, whatever, whatever stew you're getting, you know, if they got some lamb stew or whatever yeah. stew yeah, you're they're having some Passover some lamb stew wipe, or something. Wipe in the bowl, you know, that, that sort of deal, you know, silverware, I don't silverware, know not about what they um, served at the Lord's Supper to know. <laughs> sorry. It was well, a side, I can tell you there was no, question. there was no silverware, right? Knives and forks were not a thing that's happened then. So, so your bread is, your bread is yes. how you scoop. Okay, so now so my brain is going to this super awkward moment where like, like, as they're both reaching for like the olive oil dip, like the, you have a restaurant, then they're like, the one I'm dipping my hand into. And you're like, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Well, not me. Not, <laughs> no, it. No, not it. Not it. I didn't do everybody, it. Everybody like, takes one step back. And like Thomas is like, whoa, no, man, that wasn't me. You know, anyway. Yeah, maybe they my had some favorite. early like early marinara sauce and it was like unlimited breadsticks, <laughs> but unleavened. My favorite. I do. Since we're on this track of blaspheming all over the place. Like my favorite Judas is the one from the live Jesus Christ superstar who like had that big white thing. And then the meme of like me folding a fitted sheet. Yes. That's my yes. favorite Judas of all time. Yes. Uh, Brand Brandon Dixon. That's the, yes. that's, oh, he's that's so story. good. He's so good. That, that was, that was the best. I would watch that every year. Like that, that rendition of Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the movie, but I need to be on some things to watch it. So you know. There you go. Quick, 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 quinkity. I I know his mom. Oh, nice. There it is. Well, hook me up, man. Maybe she knows how to fold a fitted sheet. <laughs> Nobody knows how to fold a fitted sheet. Nobody. <laughs> I don't think All those right. things are made to be folded. So the classic reading uh, that many of us were sort of handed growing up in the church was around Jesus' death. Was that Jesus died on the cross? Um, in our place so that God can, for my sins, Brian, for our sins, he died for my sins. Yeah. He, he died, died for, for them. He died for them. Black jelly beans died for the black jelly beans. I might die for some too, if it's enough, but, um, but he died for our sins, right? So that we could go to heaven and experience forgiveness. And God needed a perfect human sacrifice, a perfect human life. And he sort of took our place. I think, those of us, those who have listened to this show for any length of time know the three of us aren't quite square with that reading. So uh, what are other ways to add? So Ogan said he died because look, he made Rome angry and they were the powers that be. And that's absolutely right historically, but what meanings do we then attach that are different from that sort of telling that I just gave? That, that whole, that whole narrative makes me as nauseous as the thought of eating black jelly beans, by the way. Um, the meanings, the meaning we attach to it, <laughs> depending on where you come, depending on your, your, your Christian Christology is that, yes, it was, it was, he bore, he bore the sins of the world on, on himself, on, on that cross. He, you know, he, he died so that we may, we might have a, a hope of eternal salvation. It never made any logical sense to me. I just, I just went along and believed it. Right. Um, but but I but but another meaning simply could be as straightforward as when you are a stand against the powers that be, when you are a voice for justice, 
like shit might happen to you. <laughs> and then, and then the question is, the question is, how far are you willing to go? Yeah. Right. How far do you are do you it anyway? To, would you do it anyway? How far are you willing to go? And there, and when we look at, at some of the greatest social justice activists in our time, right. You got, you got Martin Luther King who was assassinated. You have Nelson Mandela who was in prison for the vast majority of his adult life. Uh, Harvey Milk was assassinated. You have so many people yep. for whom harm came to them in one way or the other. So the question is, are you willing to put yourself in harm's way to be the voice for the oppressed, to be the voice for the disenfranchised, right? So like right now we have these ridiculous uh, spate of bills that are being passed that are, you know, a, a, a attacking a trans community that are, you know, uh, attacking abortion rights, all the, all these things. Like if, when push comes to shove, are you willing to go march? Are you willing to be arrested? Are you willing to like, what, what, how far are you willing to go to help create the world that you think we should all be entitled to? So that's what I get from it right now. There's going to be suffering when you go against the status quo. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that. I mean, in a compelling reading to me is is that, you know, Jesus sort of taking on empire and sort of submitting himself nonviolently to their violence and without, you know, retribution, etc. And so the resurrection then is sort of God's yes to Jesus way of peace and nonviolence and and sort of, you know, exposing the fraud of you know, the way of empire and the way of violence and all of that. And I like that reading, but the thing I struggle with is Rome's still Rome after Jesus dies and is resurrected. They're still kicking ass. And in fact, they're going to come to Jerusalem in 40 years and destroy the place. So like, if this is God's yes to the way of peace and nonviolence, like how come violence is always on top? So, okay, hold on. I'm going to unpack this for a second. Or I'm going to process this for a second out loud. Which is what I do best. <laughs> totally opened my second can, by the way, because I have nothing after this today. I think this is a second second beverage answer. Well, this is a second beverage answer, but it's also a like this is my last rest before Holy Week, the real Holy Week ramps up. So like yeah, I'm gonna yeah, go yeah. for it. Um, so one, what Ogan said is, why isn't that enough for us? Mm. Right, like that's my question. Mm. Why, like. We have many modern day martyrs like Malcolm X, MLK, you know, like um, even Nelson Mandela's like imprisonment, right? We have many, like, why isn't that enough for us? And at the same time, Brian, like your question of, of like, well then why, like, why isn't God making that the end, right? With Jesus or, or, why isn't then like um, power dynamics and empire solved and blah, blah, blah is because we're still human and fallen. But I do believe that each time we're better. Um, And I just have to believe that. I think that's the, that's the risk of hope is that each time we believe that we're better. Um, And I'm not saying Jesus is, equal that all these people I just named are equal to Jesus or whatever. I am saying that like the world did change Mm. and we can't deny that the world changed after Jesus death, Mm. whether or not you believe in Jesus, quote unquote, or not. Right. Like you cannot deny that the world didn't change from this Jesus movement to Christianity and why it changed and how it changed. You could, you can disagree with all of that. So I, I do take issue with the premise that like, it wasn't enough because the, like, we have a whole new way of counting years. Good God from this like man. I'm sure that would make Jesus feel like, well, that was worth it. No. And I'm not (laughs) saying any of that. I'm, I'm just saying like, why isn't that enough for us? Yeah. Why do we have to make all these other meanings when, why isn't that like that to me is enough. That they're like, even if, even if this is just a beautiful story about a man who lived in a way that I agree with, 
where human, you know, human mutuality and love was put above all, where social justice was put to the primary front, yeah. where systems of, you know, empire and dare I say capitalism, because that word didn't come on until a lot later, but like, right. it's not like that's not going on yep. in Jesus time are, are shoved down as like lesser systems to this way of God. Like, why isn't that enough for us? Why do we have to make this other big story? You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get as many donations that way. But <laughs> why not? Well, like, but that's I, so my question. Like, why not? I, w- I would think, I think it can be enough and maybe should be enough, but I think in the immediate aftermath, like because expectations were so high and because Rome's oppression was so real and everything else, like it wasn't enough. Like they needed more in that moment. Hence the stories that unfolded as they did and things kind of went from there. Ogan's freezing up. Did we lose Ogan? Um, Ogan, you're freezing up. Um, so like did christianity need to be carried forward by somebody else yes like was the resurrection story like we can talk about that all day long right like i i have said it more than once that like even as a pastor that goes out there and proclaims like i have found second and third degrees of the resurrection story that i can believe in order to do my job um and yet like and and whatever right whatever that's fine because I think the sentiment is beautiful. And again, because I think that's enough. Um, yeah. And and yet, like, it did take, it did take Paul to move this forward, this, this movement forward. Um, and I don't agree with that necessarily tactic. And I don't necessarily agree with everything I was going to say, for better, for better, for, for better. For, for worse, it took Paul. <laughs> for better or worse, and and yeah. some may say worse, and I may not disagree with them. And at the same time, like we are where we are, <laughs> and we've lost. We have just lost this, the root principle of it, which I'm sorry goes back to that foot foot washing, right? Because it makes us uncomfortable, and it's a lot easier for some reason. Like this is what my mind can't wrap around. For some reason, it's easier to say. Jesus died for my sin and resurrected from the dead. For some reason, that's easier to believe than just this was a shitty thing that happened and it sucks. And let's just sit there. It's easier to believe that a body rose from the dead. Because we can't build a whole religion around the simple, straightforward premise, right? We need need something spectacular, something otherworldly otherworldly something that the average person can't experience to 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 build to build on it so so again after the after the fact and i and i really i really (laughs) dude you got to say these things out loud man just don't put them in the chat and then we're all cracking up people are wondering what's happening okay we're totally caught up on that show and it's sorry that didn't we can hit that later sorry that's a post (laughs) Oh my God. Um, so, so again, after the fact, because let's, let's think about it. How, what's, what's the space of time between Jesus' death, alleged resurrection and Christianity becoming a mainstream religion? Like what's. Okay. What's did y'all the, see the meme that says. 300 that, years. Did y'all see the meme that says that the one thing that unites Christians across the world is that this week we all agree that from Friday to Sunday is three days. And that, <laughs> that that of, of anything that unites us, that is that's what unites us is our yes. disbelief that the three days is Friday. There's a, there's a hilarious Mr. Deity episode where this God character is talking to this guy named Jesse who's going to play the role of Jesus. And they're like, you're going to have to die, but you're going to be down for just three days. Then we'll bring you back. In fact, we can just make it, you know, get you down late Friday, get you up crack of dawn on Sunday. That'll be close enough. 18 hours, three days, all good. <clears throat> Obviously, that's the downside. But, you know, after three days, we bring you back to life. And uh, from that point on, uh, it's a slam dunk. Three days I got to be down, sir? I, you know, I said three days in the prophecies. But, um, you know, there's fudge room. We could have, we could put you down late Friday, uh, all Saturday. And then, uh, you know, raise you up at the crack of dawn on Sunday. So th- 36 hours tops. 35 if we did it on the week that they uh, set the clocks forward. Anyway, sorry. And I guess uh, that's more than 18 hours, but you get the Oh, point. there he goes. 
It's sorry, what? sorry. Got, 36, 36 hours. 36 yeah. hours. Math. <laughs> Math. Math. Um, so I don't even remember what I was saying now. Remember? So I do find this last question though, this this like, so if we all struggle with this bodily resurrection, like I also yet find deep meaning in Easter. Like I think Easter Easter is really one of my favorite days. Yeah. Like as much as I bash on Christmas Eve with all of you all, like I love Easter. Um, but I think I love Easter. And again, like, so Brian, you've asked this last question, which they don't know yet, which is like, what does the empty tomb signify to you? And like, it's a lot like spring in my mind. And I know that those two things like happen in my world where I live geographically um, simultaneously, but the empty tomb really is like this um, awakening of, it's the opportunity to move from the shelter that you create during the winter and the warmth of going outside into the garden, right? And there's something really beautiful about that to me. And whether that signifies something that I've closed off in myself that then I need to open, um, whether that's through new insight, um, you know, using like time and spiritual direction and experience to have, or whether it's a literal like bulbs coming up from, you know, a plant like there's something about this beautifulness of emptiness into lusciousness right into this garden that is really beautiful to me and and is yeah. and signifies new life in a way that i can preach it authentically right mm. that yeah. in a way that is death to life um and i find that really beautiful and wonderful i hear you um, um i i also see it as another viable option I could have just stayed and rested. Say again. I could have just stayed put and rested, right? In in the tomb. So the tomb's empty. That's that. So so what are the options? Uh Jesus quote unquote resurrected, or that body would have stayed in the tomb, right? Stayed right. rested. So for but me by rested, you mean stayed dead. Dead, rested, still, whatever you want to say. Well. I don't think but, it was the same, but, but the option for me, for me, part of, part of what that, that signifies for me is that there, there is a time, there is a time in our lives where we have to legit rest, where we have to legit bring things to an end where, you know, where we legit have to face our mortality and, and, and our death and, and embrace the fact that, that, we're we're not going to fix it all in our timeline, mm, right? right. I, I do I do a lot of work around anti-racism. What, not not going to solve that in my in my lifetime. Ideally, it would be great, but it ain't going to happen. It, it's too entrenched, right? Although I have worked with people that believe that we can in this three-hour session, we can just solve it and move on. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay. yeah, last week we asked, you weren't here, Ogan, but we asked last week will will people be be nostalgic for racism in forty years? Yeah, yeah. I I I, re, I remember that. Uh, I think you talked about that week before, maybe. Well, we, talked, we probably talked about it both, but nonetheless, right? All right, all right, like, right. But 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 a lot of it is be, be, because I think sometimes that whole resurrection story also, and when we talk about the empty tomb, goes like just like Judas gets a bad rap, so does the empty tomb. That is something to to avoid, right? That's the bad thing that signifies death, the end, the end of the story. And I'm saying, you know what? Some sometimes we gotta embrace the fact that we can do all we can do in a certain period of time, and then then we're good. That's so you're saying the empty tomb gives a full tomb a bad rap? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm the empty I'm, tomb says, well, actually, it doesn't end; it keeps going forever. Well, or yes, yes, the empty tomb gives the full tomb a bad rap. I see where you're saying it. Right. For me, the empty yeah. tomb represents, you know, the tomb itself empty represents sure, yeah, a, yeah. another another viable option for us. Right. Right. I got you. So I got you. like sometimes people are, you know, people who are who've been activists in their youth or whatever, 
and and they hit middle age and they lay the years and they're like, yep, I'm done. Put my feet up. I'm going to go find the island to retire on. You've done your time. You've done your work. Life life is just not all about the grind. Life is just not all about the work. Sometimes it's like put your head down and rest. You've, you've earned it. Well, um, and that and- brings up a good point of like, you know, he descended into hell for three days. Like how maybe it was just a Sabbath, you know, like, I mean, let's just honor that there, I mean, 36 hours, that's a pastor Sabbath, right? Jesus took a sabbatical to hell. (laughs) I mean, but, but why it, it goes back to that. Like, why did it have to be, I mean, the hell version of that story is the conquering, right? Like this, this very ward like language that we conquered death. And so I conquered hell. I've as if it was something outside of God's power before that moment. Right. Um, and that's and, to, and me, to Brian's point, if if he went down and conquered hell, what happened afterwards? Why was hell still going? <laughs> well, <laughs> right? What yeah, happened he, when he was down there? Didn't seem like he did much on Sundays. <laughs> well, and I mean, that leads back to like empire is hell for some people and empire is heaven for some people. Right. Exactly. Like all of this is very complicated and ambiguous and heaven and earth. Like there's a point where they touch and isn't the empty tomb a point where they touch, which is the moment of possibility, but also the moment of rest. And why can't we just lean into the ambiguity of it all? Why do we have to like name it all in some now it's done. Yay. You don't you get know. a lot of you don't get a lot of donations with ambiguity. Trust me. Try that. Okay, you are <laughs> very work. focused on the on the donations right now. <laughs> but I'm but you get my point, right? People want well, certainty. Okay, so That's what brings people in. That's what keeps them in. A certainty maybe, for a lot maybe. of folks. And for like folks, maybe yeah. historically that has been true. I think one of the things that I'm holding on hope as a pastor is that mm-hmm. we're moving into a time and a space where actually leaning into the ambiguity will help us oh, and not I, hurt us. I a hundred percent agree. So I'm, I'm talking about when I watch, when I watch uh, like services of big mega churches and there's hundreds of thousands of why, people sitting in millions of dollars. Yourself, Ogan? <laughs> all, all I'm why saying are you is punishing yourself. <laughs> uh, this my 36 hours. All right. Don't judge me. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, when I listen to those sermons, there's no ambiguity. All there is is certainty. Okay. okay. Which, by the way, so, the opposite of faith. So one of my, I mean, we, so the joke that was in the chat was a reference to the show Severance. Like mm-hmm. what, one of the things that if we can gauge this, which I know there are a small number of mostly men, mostly white men sitting in a room making these decisions, but like we can also gauge where culture is on the TV that is being put out. And like a lot of the TV that is being put out is leaning into ambiguity, which gives me great hope for us as humanity that we will end shows that we will, we will walk into situations where we go, there may not be a clear answer here. Mm. There may not be one right way to walk out of this. There may be a couple of wrong ways that we need to avoid, but there may not be a right way. And so we just need to pick a path and go with it. And then be okay if we have to like shift and move and understand if the last two years have taught us anything, they have taught us that, right? Yeah. Last two years was the tomb. (laughs) And why not? Why not? Yeah. In fact, my argument is why didn't I get more rest during that? You know, seriously, seriously. you were in hell, baby. You, you went to hell. (laughs) I was going to say, some of us got to lay down and some of us went to hell. So, you know, there you go. So with that, friends, I think I think that's gonna be our last word for Holy Week. So good luck, all you people. (laughs) Nobody nobody comes to us for advice, so we can lean Ah! into that ambiguity. Definitely won't now. (laughs) Not now. Thank you, friends, for turning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post-show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash pt live to get started and a big thank you to our current patrons. 
listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Sydney, Australia. What their internet must have gone haywire. What's going on? <laughs> Holberg, Ontario, and Columbia, Missouri. Hmm, I have a friend in Columbia. I wonder if he's listening. Watches Tuesdays on Facebook around 1 p.m. Eastern for April. We're gonna, we're just, we're moving all over the place. So hopefully, you know, you're on Facebook when we are. Find or create a pup theology in your town and learn more at puptheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly or not and keep those conversations flowing. If you don't drink responsibly, please don't drive. The end. <laughs>